eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This is NFL Nuts. Sunday with Ryan Hannibal, Kirk Minahan, Rich Keith, and Christian Fourier. The ultimate football podcast. Let's get started with NFL Nuts. Sunday. Now here's Ryan Hannibal. Special guest this week on the podcast, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. You can follow Ian on Twitter at RapSheet. Ian, how's it going? What's going on, man? How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Let's get right to it. Are you surprised at all with the way the Patriots has turned things around this year, especially on defense? I'm really not. Uh, and one thing I'm, I'm starting to you know, I don't know, I guess figure out about the Patriots, maybe it's something that they've only recently uh, sort of a messed with their technique they've only recently done, but it's been the last several years. It's, you know, as like a trial period to figure things out. Remember a couple of years back there, you know, rotating offensive linemen more than anyone else in the first month of the season before kind of settling on, you know, what they were going to do. And uh, I think defensively this year, they just, they try some things. They put different pieces in here, take them out, see what works. Same thing in the running back position, you know. Starter in week one was a healthy scratch last week. Uh, you know, so they're willing to say, all right, we're going to give up a little bit in the first month of the season to figure out what works. Uh, and, you know, every year it seems people are like, oh, defense, are not stopping anyone. And then by, you know, October, they figure it out. Uh, and I think that's what we've seen this year. Do you think they look at those sort of first four games as an extension of the preseason in a way? I do. I really do. Um, and, you know, teams will say that. They'll say, oh, you know, and I, here's one. Like, the Saints kind of felt like that, too. You know, their defense, which was terrible the first couple weeks, you know, they were like, you know, the defense just hasn't played together. They hadn't, I think the defense hadn't been together for one snap 
uh, during the preseason. So, like, you know what? We're going to just make a bunch of mistakes and figure this out. And then when it really, you know, kind of comes down to it in, in October when things are, you know, the season really gets going, we'll be ready. Um, and, you know, I think the really good coaches are starting to say, let's just keep everyone healthy in the preseason, use the first month to figure it out, make sure you're still in the mix, um, and then, you know, really kick it into gear in, like, October. Mm. And offensively for the Patriots, they've been banged up these last couple of games with Chris Hogan missing the last two and also on the offensive line, two starters this past week. Who do you think deserves the most credit for the Patriots still you know, performing well, Josh or Daniels or Tom Brady? Yeah. See, that's so tough because you know what you don't get is inside the building um, you know, who is kind of making the changes. But, you know, Brady is great. Okay, Everybody knows Brady is great. And the, the level that he play, has played at, you know, Really, he's probably as good now as he was, as good at 40 as he was when he was 30. And, you know, obviously the Patriots seeing that, believing that, trusting that, you know, helped lead them to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers. But, you know, to me, somehow Josh McDaniels does not get the credit he deserves in just figuring this out. I mean, again, Brady's great, but um, different pieces, moving guys in and out. You know, Martellus Bennett comes in. Um, two days before they play on the road, so it's even a shorter work week, and they somehow get them on the field ready to play. I mean, things, you know, things like that. Um, you know, they lose two really good receivers in Edelman and Mitchell, and don't miss a beat. You know, um, so I, I would say somehow Josh probably does not get as much credit as, as he deserves for that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Chris Hogan, what are you hearing from him? I know you reported back when he suffered the injury. It was a shoulder injury. I think you said an AC joint sprain potentially. What are you hearing now? What's the latest? On Chris Hogan you asked about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's a, really a week-to-week situation. I was never described to me as season-ending. Um, you know, and these sorts of things can be, they can be one or two weeks, you know, see what a guy can play through. This obviously is a little more serious. Um so I, I would, you know, I would think probably about three to four weeks, maybe four weeks since the injury. Um, so, you know, he's, he's definitely getting closer, um, definitely getting closer. But, you know, I know that just because the Patriots have a lot of somehow still um, a lot of depth at that position, I would not expect them to rush him back at all, you know, because he's he's going to be incredibly important. So if we didn't see him until you know, early mid December, I would say that that'd probably be fine. It'd be kind of like a couple of years back when they held, you know, Edelman out until the playoffs. Like, that's fine. Just be ready when when the lights come on. Yeah. Do you sort of look at is there everything to the Patriots points towards that December seventeenth game against the Steelers, and they want to make sure everyone's ready to go for that? I guess, um, but it's still not as important as the playoffs. You yeah. know, I mean. It will be important. You know, the Steelers are really good, really, really good. So I think it'll be important for seeding, for seed or not. You know, I mean, they're going to. I guess they're going to get a buy now. It seems pretty obvious, but um, you know, so that game is important. But I don't think it's going to be treated like a playoff game because you know, pretty soon after that, the actual playoffs come, and that's when it really matters. Yep. Let's get to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now that the dust has sort of settled a little bit, do you think the Patriots traded him at the right time? And then secondly, do you think the 49ers are a good fit for him? Uh, well, let's start with the Patriots side of this. Um, you know, it was interesting because he was not, he was simply not available um, during the draft. You know, I mean, the Browns 
made a better offer than the Patriots ended up taking, but he was just not available because, you know, if there's one constant with Bill Belichick, the way he handles his team, specifically veterans, it's he does not make any judgments on them until they come to training camp and he looks at them and sees where they are. You know, so I, I remember, you know, there, there would be times a couple of years back when I was covering the Patriots and he talked to, to Belichick about a guy, let's say, you know, over the summer, in the, you know, late in the spring, you talked to him about a guy, and he literally would not judge a player because he did not. He wanted to see them when he came back to the training camp. And sometimes you saw veterans, you know, like Ocho Cinco was a great example, who showed up and could really no longer run anymore. Um, and that's just, you know, and there are guys, I mean, for me, my first year, you know, Teddy Bruschi showed up and was basically time to retire. And you just don't know until you can see a guy in the field. Um, so I know they wanted to get Brady in, watch him, and make sure that everything they thought was true, which is that he looked as good at 40 as he did at 30. Um, and so they gave up a better draft pick for the insurance of, we're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo until we make sure that Brady is what we think. Brady's play confirmed basically for them that he is as good now as he's ever been. And so they took the best deal they could at the last possible time they could and traded him to the Niners. And, you know, about the fit there, I mean, obviously the Niners are terrible, um, but they're not always going to be terrible. And I think they're really well coached. Um, and, it's, you know, we, we have seen this year, I mean, Atlanta's starting to play better, but we've seen, especially early on, when Kyle Shanahan leaves the team, they get worse. Um, he is a very, very good offensive coach, and um, I think Garoppolo is going to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Do you think, back to the Garoppolo and the Patriots, do you think the franchise tag was ever an option? It was if they sort of had to. Like, I don't think it was, you know, I don't, I don't think it was ever really going to happen. Uh, you know, could they have sucked it up and said, all right, we just, you know, they wanted, really what they wanted was to get a contract extension dealt with them. Yep. Um, but the problem is, like, the numbers, you know, he could have taken a sort of a hometown discount, not a good deal. It would have been less than the franchise tag. Um, he could have taken that and said, all right, I'm just going to make sure I play, you know, for the Patriots. Problem is, you know, what, what money is good enough to where Garoppolo says to himself, all right, I'm cool if I don't play for three years. Because that's like, who knows when Brady's going to stop being great. Mm-hmm. You know, Peyton Manning kind of fell off a cliff and it happened all of a sudden. But I, you don't see any warning signs from Brady. So how much would the Patriots have had to pay Garoppolo to where he was okay with not playing football? Uh, and the answer, obviously, was it was, you know, they didn't they didn't come close to that value. So once they couldn't get an extension done with him, they really knew that, you know, if there was a deal to be had, then they had to take it. How much did they try to, to extend them? I know there was there were little reports of them negotiating this this no, offseason. Off did they tr- how how long did those negotiations go? Was it up until the trade deadline, or did it stop no, before the no, season? Uh, yeah, it stopped. I mean, my understanding was it was in the spring. Um, and you know, I mean, the Patriots have done a million of these deals. Um, Tom Brady's agent, who's also Jimmy Garoppolo's agent, has done a lot of deals. A lot of deals with the Patriots. Uh, to me, it sounded very quickly like both sides knew nothing was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some deals can be reached. Some deals cannot. Obviously, there's millions of deals that get talked about and never happen. Uh, and I think this was one that did not have a chance of happening. Mm-hmm. So when does Garoppolo actually play with the 49ers? I don't think it's going to be this week. Um, 
you know, whenever C.J. Beathard kind of opens the door. Um, you know, I mean, basically what they did was to say, and I know everyone's killing the Niners for, you know, why isn't Garoppolo playing? Like, I don't really get what the big deal is. Like, who cares? Right. You know, he's in your building. You have him. So, you know, basically they said he's better than any second-round draft pick we would take in this coming draft. That's it. That's the decision. Mm-hmm. We're going to give up a second-round draft pick, and we have our franchise quarterback. They didn't have to use a. They didn't have to use. They didn't have to use a first rounder for him. Um, you know, and they basically just got him in the building. And the fact that, um, you know, I, I just think value wise, it was really good for them whether he plays or not. Mm-hmm. Now that we're towards the end of the season, obviously it seems like every year these guys come up and, and head coaching. You know, vacancy openings, Matt mm-hmm. Patricia and, and Josh McDaniels. What do you think is going to happen with these guys? Do you think one day both of them, one of them, will ever be, be a head coach? I would think both of them will be head coaches at some point. You know, I don't know if it's going to be this year, uh, and I don't know if it's going to be both at the same time. Uh, that would be a you know, significant loss for the Patriots, although we've seen it before. Um, you know, there was the year when and Charlie Weiss and Romeo both left the same year. Um, but, you know, I think both those guys – are ready to be head coaches. And you can never quite tell because until, you know, it's like a player, you know, like until the lights come on, you never quite know what you have. I think the Bills probably learned that this this past week. Um, you know, but uh, I would think both of them are going to be ready to be head coaches and, and it could happen at any time. You know, Patricia has kind of caught, caught uh, you know, kind of caught fire a little bit as a head coach candidate. Josh is always there and, you know, probably could have got the Niners job if he wanted. Um, so I think both of those guys are ready and, and will be head coaches, and the Patriots will, you know, replace him and, and probably be okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Josh and the Giants? That's sort of been ruined a, a little bit this year with that being such a historic franchise and sort of a, a potential good fit for him. Do you think that would ever be in the cards? Yeah, I mean, they would have to fire their head coach first. Yes. Um, and I'm not convinced they're going to do that. Uh-huh. You know, uh, now, you know, the, the, the Giants are... I shouldn't say always, but almost always hire someone with, you know, direct connection to them. Um, you know, McAdoo didn't, but he was their offensive coordinator before he took over. Um, so, you know, it's, all, it's always sort of someone in the family. Josh would not fit that mold. I mean, I think he'd do a great job if he got it. I'm just saying historically that's not what they've done. But, I, you know, I might be crazy, but I'm not convinced they're going to fire McAdoo because, you know, they are a patient franchise. There's a reason they battled like crazy to hire him instead of the Eagles, who also wanted to hire him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he didn't he also got them to 11 wins last year, and I don't think he forgot how to coach. Mm-hmm. So I'm not so convinced that they fire him. Mm-hmm. Switching gears a little bit, I don't think some people might might not realize that you're with the Boston Herald before the NFL Network. Was that always in your plans that you wanted to be a national reporter? How did that sort of work out that you switched to, to going national with the NFL Network? It was not in my plans at all. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I never thought about it. Uh, I really, really liked the Herald. Um, you know, Hank Kernowitz and Mark Murphy were incredible bosses. You know, working with Karen every day and Borges. Uh, were it was both you know both those guys are insane but I love them so much still uh, and it was great and you know at that time and we were living my wife and I were living in Southie which is still the you know probably the best place we've lived um, I was fine being at the Herald for a long long time I didn't plan on going anywhere um, you know I didn't know what if the job was going to change at some point 
Um, but I liked covering the Patriots. Uh, I liked the Herald, and I was I was good. Um, you know, it was just at the Super Bowl that year, the the second one against the Giants. You know, the some NFL ne- network executives kind of called me and wanted to meet with me and got me in a room and talked for an hour, a whole bunch of different things, and. Um, you know, said I was, and I wasn't expecting anything except for it to be just a casual conversation. And, you know, eventually they said they wanted to hire me. Um, and it was all very strange because I wasn't looking to do that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously it was an opportunity that was, that was too tough to pass up. Um, but I was, it was definitely not something I was looking for. Mm-hmm. How does your job change from, from being a beat writer with one team to now being a national reporter? Like, what's a typical Sunday like for you? I know you're on, on in the morning on TV, but what mm-hmm. do, you, do you watch? You try to watch as many games as you can. Do you pick one game you, you want to watch? Like, how, how does that work when you're not focused on one team? Well, um, so I, I go to the city. I live in New York now. I go to New York City every Sunday morning. And obviously a lot of the work during the week you know, there's breaking news and, and all sorts of stuff during the week, injuries and everything. But, you know, so much of sort of the big news and what you're building toward is our Sunday pregame show. Um, so, you know, I'll work for that. I'll get to the city at 6 a.m. You know, I'm on, I'm on until 1. And then, you know, I head home. takes me about 45 minutes. And I have a, a pretty nice three-TV setup uh, at our house. Uh, I, I'll put it on red zone on the big one and then, you know, local game, usually Jets or Giants on one, and then whatever other game I want to watch on the other. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just, you know, watch Red Zone, bounce around a little bit, flip the games that I that I want to see and quarterbacks and players I want to see. And, um, you know, the 1 o'clock hour is a little hectic, and then, you know, obviously in the 4 o'clock hour it's a little more, um, you know, focused in. But, you know, you, you definitely, I definitely watch games differently now because, you know, you're sort of looking for news injuries, quarterback change, which coaches are in trouble, which storylines you've been focusing on, uh, rather than kind of just watching the result and watching them play. Mm-hmm. Do you miss it all, the you know breaking down the film of one team's game and you know getting all in on one team? Do you, do you miss that at all, or do you like what you're doing right now? Well, I love my job. I really do. Um, but I, I, I do miss understanding why a team is good or bad or struggling or what. You know, because that was one thing I really, really liked with the Patriots. It's like, all right, they ran for, you know, 250 yards this week. Well, how did they do it? Like, and so you, you, know, you get into it, you watch the game over and over, you, you sort of, you know, you, you really break it down. Um, and I, you know, sometimes I'll get to watch games over, especially the good ones or the big ones, but not always. Um, so I, I really miss that part of it. You know, because I'll, you know, I'll report on the teams that are good or the teams that are bad or whatever, but there's definitely a deeper understanding that I'm just not able to get now um, as far as why a team is, is doing what it does. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part of covering the Patriots, and what was your uh, least favorite part? Um, I would say my favorite part uh, was probably understanding that Bill Belichick is not at all what I thought he was. You know, I think that was probably the most interesting thing for me because, you know, before you cover him, you only see the only clips you see are the grumpy ones, right? So you only see like post game after a loss when he's muttering one word answers, or you know, on to Cincinnati, or you know, the sort of very grumpy press conference clips. Um, but there's obviously so much more. And what I really liked was 
you know, either either in a press conference, especially a Friday press conference, or you know, you, you ask for him one on one, and you know, you get to spend ten minutes talking about whatever. And if you ask him real football stuff, he will really tell you. Mm-hmm. And that's something where I was definitely not expecting that. And you know, I didn't expect him to to grant any interviews when you ask. But you know, you get on the beat, you start asking for things, and next thing you know, you know, you you get in Belichick for. 10 minutes talking about offensive line player or how do you handle a, you know, when you have a situation, I think there was one where, you know, I was writing a story on, I think it was Sebastian Vollmer who was playing left tackle and Matt Light was still out with an injury. And kind of, we spent like 10 minutes explaining the dynamic of how you handle when you have a good young player and then a veteran player is out when, you know, does the guy take his job or not? And just the dynamics of that, and I left, and I was like, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that part of it, understanding that if you ask Bill a football question, he will really answer you. Um, that part I like. You know, the, the bad part um, is just that it's a very good beat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I, I covered Alabama before covering the Patriots, and that was hard, probably still the hardest job I've ever done. But, you know, the Patriots, it, it's tough because – there's so much institutional knowledge. So many people are sort of ingrained there. So many people have good sources. Um, and it was just, it took so long to break in and really get to start breaking news. So I guess the bad part was, especially the first like year and a half, was just getting beat all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a story that you got beat on that you sort of, you know, kept yourself for now? Um, I mean, there was a lot of them, uh, especially early. I would say the most frustrating one for me was uh, when, you remember when it was late gate, we called it. Um, It was when there was a snowstorm and like five players, like a Dallas Thomas and um, Uh, Moss was one of them. And Derek Burgess, there was a bunch of guys who were late and sent home. Yep. And And that was the, the, um, the Jetsons quote. Yep, it was the Jetsons quote. That's exactly. We had a Jetsons vehicle on the, on the uh, Jetsons, what do you call those things? Whatever it was on the back page of the Herald the next day. Yep. It was great. Um, and it was also the beginning of the end of a Dallas Thomas's career. But anyway, um, and so I'm driving to Foxborough. You know, it's 8.45 or something in the morning. I'm driving on Route 1, and I'm going to a press conference. And I see on on Twitter, and I think I got an email about it, that Shalice was reporting that players had already been sent home. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I'm driving there. I hadn't talked to anyone. It was snowing. I'm just trying to not die on the way there. And she's already breaking what turned out to be not just the news of the day, but the news of the week and month and Mm -hmm. season was that these players were sent home. And that's when the first time I was like, this is not a great locker room and the season is not going the way everyone wants it. Mm -hmm. And, it was, I was beat so badly on it, and I didn't even have a chance at it. Uh-huh. And I think that was the one where I'm like, all right, this needs to change because this cannot happen. Yeah. You know, because that's, that's how bad it was. And obviously, Shalice was, she was great, especially player sources. She was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that I got blindsided so badly uh, was probably the worst one for me. Mm-hmm. Does having the, the connection with, or working, covering the Patriots before the NFL Network help you out now with covering the Patriots from a national side? Yeah, I mean, it does. And, you know, they're, they're, it, there's a lot of different ways to break a story. So you know, even if I, you know, didn't have 
sort of Patriots knowledge, and you know, obviously others, certainly other national reporters that do also. Um, but I think the best thing is it helps me understand them. Um, you know, from a business side, like what are they going to do? Like, you know, they trade Chandler Jones um, a couple years back. I knew that was coming. I mean, actually, I remember I I met with some people close to him at the combine, and I told them that he was going to be traded mm-hmm. because I. You know, and I, and I didn't even end up breaking that story, but I knew it was coming because I understand the Patriots and new contract extensions talks had been not good. I knew the value. I knew, I mean, I just, so understanding them based on my time covering them has been incredibly helpful. Mm. What's your best Tom Brady story? Do you have any good ones? Um, you know, I really, I mean, the I don't have any great Brady stories. I, I mean, I guess the, I'll say the two things that stand out to me was the first time I went and introduced myself to him, you know, and um, he told me I had big shoes to fill because Mike Felger had my job, which was funny. <laughs> but um, the the thing I remember, it's actually like, I don't know why this stands out, but you know, I went over and introduced myself, you know, to hey, I'm in Rapport, I'm going to start covering the Patriots for the Herald, whatever. And he turned around, and I put my hand out to shake his hand, and he had two hands full of face moisturizer, and he's putting it on his face, so I'm just awkwardly standing there holding my hand out while he's rubbing moisturizer on his face. And I was like, all right, that was really awkward, great. Um, And then the other thing I always remember, for some reason, is he always said goodbye to the practice squad players and the guys at the bottom of the roster when they were leaving the locker room. Uh Like, he knew all their names. I don't know how. I don't know why he cared. But he knew all their names, and he always said goodbye to them. And, hey, have a good night, you know, whoever. Yeah. Uh, and those, those, when I think about like, covering him, for whatever reason, that sort of stands out. Yeah. Do you have any good Belichick stories? Or one that stands um, out? Oh, man. Um, God. I know he's a tough guy to really, to really crack. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he... he I don't have anything that stands out or that I could say. Yeah. Um, but I will say he was he was incredibly interesting to cover. I I, I definitely enjoyed the the kind of talks with him or, or just the just the kind of behind the scenes stuff that you get when you get him one on one. Any Thanksgiving plans or is it a working holiday for you? Working holiday um, on a pregame show, uh, and then I'm heading to my mom's house, and we got. Three small kids under the age of four who are going to be running around like lunatics, so yeah. it's going to be fun. All right. Hey, thanks so much, Ian, for joining me. You can find Ian on Sunday mornings on NFL Network's NFL Game Day morning starting at 7 a.m. Ian, thanks so much. Really good to have you on. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ian. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.